Hi, my name is Chris. I had Crohn's disease and this is my story. Hey guys, so welcome to tonight's episode. We're going to be talking with Chris, aka Get Gut Healthy uh, from Instagram. So as you know, if you follow Chris, you'll see he's been on his travels lately and uh, has just returned to the UK. So we've had a little bit of delay getting to this episode. Chris, if you just uh, introduce yourself to the guys that are watching. Okay. Um, yeah, my name's Chris. I'm from England and I was diagnosed with Crohn's in 2010. And it's been a, a real roller coaster since then. A lot of different things have happened um, in my life. And yeah, it's got me to the point where I am today where I've learned so much about myself in the past nine years. And I've got to the point now where I'm really happy with my health. And yeah, I'm really happy with where things are at right now in terms of like completely getting rid of symptoms and um you know, learning how to properly take care of myself and just really, yeah, just really getting in touch with myself and seeing what, what the right things to do are and seeing what other people are doing out there. And, you know, it's only by really coming together through, you know, methods of methods of communication like this, that we can really learn from each other and um, sort of collectively find the best way to go forward, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Tell us a little bit about your life prior to your diagnosis. So who was Chris before he was diagnosed? Mm -hmm. Well, I was diagnosed at age 16 in 2010. So um, I guess before diagnosis, I was really just a kid growing up. And, you know, I didn't really, I just thought I was, you know, a fairly average kid growing up, like average sort of lifestyle and those sort of things. And um, it really wasn't something that I, expected to be diagnosed with like um so yeah i was just just sort of an average kid getting on with life and you know playing a bit of sport and eating junk food and that sort of stuff like the average kids do these days and um yeah amazing so was there anything what was that sort of started happening or what uh, made you realize that you needed to go and seek medical attention yeah so when i was 16 um early on in 2010 i started to experience some acid reflux and some sort of stomach symptoms um, so i went to the doctors and the the usual thing happened i explained my symptoms you know doctors are rushed off their feet they've only got a few minutes in there to see you he gave me a prescription for some antacids i went away and over the next couple of months things only got worse and worse and to the point where I started feeling really um, bad stomach cramps and you know real bad inflammation in my gut area. So I went back, doctor realized that it was something more severe. He referred me to the hospital and I was diagnosed with Crohn's after a, um, had some blood tests and I had some, an MRI scan done as well. So I was diagnosed off, off the back of that. And, you know, I'm quite grateful that I was diagnosed um, quite soon after experiencing symptoms because I know a lot of people struggle for years and years and they're like, what the hell is this and what does it mean? Um, so I was diagnosed quite soon after 
experiencing symptoms. Yeah, so you said you were 16. Um, was that right? You were 16 when you were diagnosed? Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's quite young as well. How was that for you? Because I'm assuming you were potentially still in school or college at that point or had exams and things coming up. So how was it for you then having all of this going on? Yeah, I think, I think when I was diagnosed, I sort of, in the back of my mind, I, I realised it was serious. But at the same time, you know, being a kid and thinking you're invincible, I just sort of disregarded it a bit and thought, you know, I'll be, I'll be fine because, you know, I'm under the care of the NHS. The docs are going to give me some drugs. They'll sort it all out and I'll be fine. And, you know, I'll be able to carry on as normal. Um, but that didn't happen. And, you know, it was a slippery slope um, of getting work, my health deteriorating year, year on year. And at that point in time, I was doing my GCSE exams and later on I was doing my A-level exams and it really hit me hard during those times because I had a lot of time off school. Um, for example, in sixth form, my attendance was only 75%. And, you know, I, I, I was, I've never been one to bunk off school, but it was just that I was so fatigued. I was so in so much pain and uh, I just wasn't able to get on with life as I wanted to. So, yeah, it, it was a really tough time um, finishing off school. And what were you actually studying at the time? So what were you doing for your levels? And you, as you mentioned earlier before we started that you went on to university. Yeah. What, so you, what was I, your yeah. main studies and stuff there? Yeah, in, in, uh, for A-levels, I studied economics, maths, physics, and IT. And I was sort of moving into um, doing a, a sort of finance type degree, which is what I went on to do at, at Sheffield. It's a, it's a pretty heavy payload. Yeah, it was. What you mean? You mean work-wise? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was. It was. It was a lot of work and um, a lot of pressure because I was at a, a grammar school at the time, so had a lot of pressure on you to do well and perform. Um, and, yeah, um, I just I just got on and did the best I could. With your with having Crohn's at that point in your life, how did you find um, studying and things and uh, like going through and facing exams and stuff like that? Did you find that difficult, or was that something that people thought of so you didn't have to? Yeah, I mean, I guess back in 2010, 2012 sort of time, Crohn's disease was a lot more under the radar than it is right now. And most people didn't know what it was. So it was, it was pretty tough explaining it to people and having them understand. And I guess people never really fully understand unless they experience it for themselves. So it was, it was a difficult, difficult time for sure, because, you know, when you're 16, 18, you want to be out socializing with your mates and you don't want to have anything get in the way of that and get in the way of you living your life. And um, often it, you know, Crohn's will mean that I had to cancel plans and um, have a lot of time off school and, you know, keep going to the hospital and things like that. So it really um, sucked the life out of me at that point in my life. Um, you mentioned uh, that you were diagnosed relatively quickly, which is quite unusual for, for IBD. And I guess, yeah, it's a kind of a, it's a micro blessing, I guess, in the, in the pathway that is your life, a life with IBD. But um, from your diagnosis, a lot of people 
say they get some relief once they finally got a diagnosis, maybe it's slightly different in your case, but how has life changed for you since you've been diagnosed with Crohn's? Yeah, I guess there's two different phases since being diagnosed. There was 2010 to 2017 and then 2017 to now. So 2010 to 2017 was after diagnosis. Um, you know, it was, it was 10 years ago, so I don't, I don't remember with 100% clarity, uh, but I can remember as best as I can. And um, I was just sort of a little bit shell-shocked when I was diagnosed. I don't think there was a lot of relief because unlike a lot of people, I didn't go through a really lengthy process where you feel like you're fighting your GP to try and get referred. I know a lot of people have experienced those kind of things. And um, so, yeah, it, w it wasn't really a, a huge relief. It was more of like, oh, you know, this, this is a little bit nerve wracking. Um, and yeah, I mean, after that, it was just a lot of trips to and from the hospital, a lot of blood tests, MRI scans. Um, I mean, my, my gastroenterologist who I was under, I count it as a, as a blessing in a way because he wasn't really that keen on colonoscopies. So I've never had a colonoscopy. Um, all of the disease activity has been monitored through blood tests and MRI scans. Um, but it's, yeah, I mean, it's been quite eye-opening to see the MRI scans, to see the doctor, you know, go through the pictures with me and see how things have changed over time. Um, but yeah. That's from... really interesting. I've never actually heard of people, I might, now this might be my own ignorance, but I've never heard of people actually getting MRI scans um, with Crohn's. I always always understood it to be a uh, gastroenterology um, scope and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess it's easier to have a scope if you have UC because it's just in the mm -hmm. colon, but mine was spread out throughout my sm small intestine, like areas of inflammation and, and wall thickening was, was spread out throughout my uh, small bowel. So I guess it's maybe a little bit more disruptive and a little bit more difficult to scope in that situation. I'm not, I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, maybe that was the reasoning behind it. And also my doctor wasn't that inclined to, for colonoscopies. And um, I know that they sometimes can be complications with them. So maybe that was one of the reasons behind that. Yeah. Um, it's really interesting. Like obviously uh, with Crohn's for people that don't know, it affects the entire gastrointestinal tract going from your throat all the way down to the rectum and everything in between. Um, so yeah, it can be quite a difficult disease to cope with, particularly if you suffer quite badly from it in various areas through the body. But yeah, that's news to me. I never realized that that was an option for people to have MRIs. Makes sense in a, in a way. Um, so what what changed? So you mentioned obviously all the way up. You've gone to university. What happened to university, and what started to change your mindset? Because you know you, you're you've established yourself as a a sort of self proclaimed gut health coach. Yeah. Um, and I was wondering what what took you down this pathway, and and what sort of stuff did you find along your journey? Yeah, I mean it's a it was a you know real long journey, a big roller coaster, a lot of ups and downs along the way. And, you know, when I went to university, that was the time when I was starting azathioprine, the, um, I'm sure you're familiar with it, the pill-based immune suppressing medication. Before that, the medications were quite, um, I'd say low level, quite, um, 
you know, not nothing too too heavy. I was taking Pentasa and Budesonide for the first couple of years. Um, the baby that, drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then azathioprine, and um, then I was onto the prednisolone, and Humira started in twenty. 14 2015 around that time um so so basically from 2010 to 2017 i'd the the sort of story would be that i'd start a new drug i'd have what i call a, a honeymoon period with the drug where it would you know suppress whatever symptoms i'd be feeling at the time and then i would slip back down into Crohn's symptoms and you know just feeling really shitty and um, chronic fatigue and all those sort of things that would cause me to basically put my life on hold and be off school and you know take a break from everything that I'd be doing at the time and you know it was really demoralizing in those times because I was a keen cyclist and runner and you need a healthy body you need a healthy fit body to to maintain those those sort of pursuits and um, I just didn't have that during those years so I'd maybe string together six months of training and then I'd flare up and, you know, be at the doctors back and forwards continually and, you know, be suffering a lot with that and be back at square one in six months time when the flare, you know, reduced and the next medication was given to me and the um, symptoms would be suppressed once again. So, yeah, it was a real roller coaster. And it wasn't until 20, sort of 2015, 2016 time. Um, my final year at uni, final exams, you know, massive stress. And also I wasn't paying proper attention to my diet. I was just sort of grabbing stuff, convenience, um, you know, drinking caffeine, staying up late at night, all, all the things that kind of uh, abusing your health. And it really came to a T when I finished my exams and I had a massive release from my body and, you know, just descended into the biggest flare up of my life. I lost so much weight went from you know my my healthy weight for me is about 70 kilos went from 70 kilos down to 53 kilos which for someone six foot two is like dangerously underweight anorexic type weight and uh i was just you know i remember at one point in time i was in the corner of my bedroom on the floor just crying and i was like i, I don't know what to do like is there a way out of this i don't know like, is it, you know is, is the rest of my life going to look like this? Because it was just a miserable existence at that point in time. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my mum came in, gave me a hug and, you know, sort of picked me back up again a little bit. But I was like, you know, I cannot let myself get back to that situation because it was so damaging to my physical health, to my mental health. I just thought, you know, I was so depressed at that point in time that I just couldn't see a way out. And I was like, you know, I've got to try and, find the positives in this and pick myself back up and see what I can do for myself. Um, so that really led me on a, on a journey of self-discovery and research and, you know, finding out a lot of new information that maybe the doctor hadn't told me. Um, and eventually that resulted in coming across a book called self-healing colitis and Crohn's. And that, that book, when I saw the title, I was like, you know, it's, it's one of these bullshit books, that, you know, it's too good to be true. They're mm -hmm. promising something that can't be obtained because the doctors told me for so many years, all of the doctors that I've seen have said, 
diet doesn't make a difference. Your lifestyle doesn't make a difference. This is a diagnosis and you're with it for life. And, you know, I believed what they were saying because I trusted them during those years. And, um, you know, but I, I bought this book. I read it from cover to cover. I was looking online for people who had actually been through it and, you know, real life stories that, you know, it wasn't just someone writing their opinions in a book, basically. And, um, you know, I found so many testimonials online, loads of people. I started to connect with them on social media, see what they'd done. How did it go for them? What sort of severity of disease did they come from? And I started to build up a picture of what people had done. And what I was really looking for at that time was people who were achieving the results that I desired. And what I wanted was to be disease-free. I wanted to be healthy. I wanted to be fit. I wanted to be a stable weight because all these things I struggled with for so many years. And uh, I didn't want my life to be miserable and you know like it was when I was 53 kilos and crying in the corner of my bedroom so I made a decision in around it was April sort of 2016 when I was just coming out of my big flare-up um, you know I had had it in my mind that I was gonna I was gonna take you know take a course of steroids to sort of pull me out of that flare and get myself up to a more healthy weight um, cause there, there was no way that I could have done anything at, at that point in time. My body was just such a wreck. And, um, so yeah, I mean, and that led me to 2017 in summertime when I start, I went down the path of, um, you know, having taken Humira for three years and the last year I was on weekly injections, which is, you know, the most that the NHS is willing to, to give you. And I just thought, you know, I don't want this to get any worse. So, so you were, what were you about 22 at this point? Yeah, it was. Yeah. So it was August, 2017 when I made that decision and started moving in that direction. So I was, um, 23, yeah, 23, just about to turn 24 at that point in time. So it's a pretty big, um, life changing, um, decision to make to, and I'm assuming then at that point where you deciding to move away from medication completely after the steroid dose. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I got the help of a, of a health coach online. Um, a guy called Shamiz from Australia, from uh, New Zealand. And he had done the same, gone down the same path, reading the self-healing colitis and Crohn's book and putting those things in practice. Um, he actually did it in a much more, severe state than I did in hospital um, and he put all of those things into practice um, and he pulled himself out of UC and you know got off of meds and he's been you know in incredible health for the last seven eight years now and helping others you know through this sort of um, more natural methods to to achieve the same results so I, yeah, I went to him, I got in touch with him and he really helped me out over those, it was six months in total that he helped me out. And, um, I made the decision myself to, you know, slowly taper off the meds. And so I completely got off those by the end of August. Um, and then I, I knew that I'd probably need to take a period of rest and recuperation, um, so I, I quit my job in October. I was lucky to have the circumstances where I was able to, to do that. 
and live at home for a little while. Um, so yeah, and then in October, I started to, um, I guess, as the drugs, you know, because the immune suppressing drugs have a residual effect in the in our systems. And mm. as, as that started to, to finish, then I um, went into a detox period between middle of October and the start of December. So six weeks, I was pretty much in bed and, you know, just living life real simple, um, aiming to put myself in the best mental state and just having real simple food and drink. Um, and where you know, were you at this stage? Were you um, living at home or yeah. were you self-sufficient? Okay, so you were yeah, living I was, at home. I was living at home at this point in time, yeah. Well, that's obviously that's a, a, a very fortunate situation to be in, uh, but... Like, what what sort of stuff then were were you in? Like through this detox period, sort of what was going on? How did you feel? And um, what what was the intent with the detox? That sort of idea. Yeah, I mean, it, the 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 detox thing. It wasn't something that I was in control of. You know, it was something that my body had initiated by itself. And um, you know, through reading the book self-healing colitis and Crohn's and reading other people's stories, I was really starting to believe in, you know, that our body is self-healing and self-regulating in the same way, you know, we can use the analogy of getting a cut on our hand and, you know, as soon as we cut, there's, you know, everything is rushed through our bloodstream to that site causing, you know, inflammation and, you know, to carry all of the materials and resources that we need to that site to enact the repair. And, you know, I started to believe that this was happening inside my gut as well, you know, that I damaged my gut over time through, you know, inappropriate diet and lifestyle. Um, yeah, we're on YouTube. <laughs> we're, li we're live on YouTube yeah. officially. And yeah, I mean, I just really started to empower myself and um, eating real simple foods. So you know, typically fruit smoothies, just really simple bananas, dates, uh, papayas, um, and then green juices, because, you know, at that point in time, I was going to the toilet 20 plus times per day. Um, and I'd experienced this in the past, you know, extended periods of time, three months plus of just relentless diarrhea. And, you know, you probably know yourself if you've experienced that, it's just completely draining. And, um, the green juices during that time, especially sort of celery juices, cucumber juices, because, because I wasn't capable of digesting the whole foods during that time, because I had a, you know, real inflamed gut juice and then really got the electrolytes and the minerals and everything into me that I needed to, you know, that I was very deficient in because I'd been having so much diarrhea and I was so, um, fatigued and wiped out. So I was having a lot of juices as well. And then dinners would typically be like a simple veggie soup and some potatoes, just really like easy to digest, simple foods. I was trying to get out of the way of my body so that it could, um, you know, heal itself, repair itself, reduce the inflammation naturally, let it run its course. And so, yeah, that, that went on for about six weeks. And, and is that uh, the normal, is that something that, so if I was to, in fact, if I was to pick up this book, was that what I should expect roughly about six weeks of, a, of the body just detoxing itself? Yeah, it's a, yeah from, from talking to so many people who have been through 
been through the journey, it's, it's a real individual thing because we're all coming from different backgrounds. We're all coming from different like severities of disease. We're all coming from different medications. So, and our bodies deal with things in different ways. Like, you know, some people violently reject medications and some mm. people seem to be okay with them. So, you know, it really depends on, it's an individual to individual uh, situation, but yeah, typically most people say one to three months um, and then after then things, you know, start picking up and, and getting better. And that was something that I noticed through, through this. Um, like I got, like there were signposts along the way that what I was doing was, was conducive to my good health. So a couple of weeks into it, like I just had no digestive pain whatsoever. And I was completely blown away because, you know, pretty much every single day of my life up to that point, I had some sort of you know, if I wasn't in excruciating pain, things would be uncomfortable or I'd feel a bit constipated or I'd be having diarrhea or, you know, I'd feel quite uneasy generally. Mm. And, um, you know, I was starting to feel a lot better a few weeks into this. And, you know, after about six weeks when the diarrhea stopped, um, I started to, to, it was like a switch had, switch had flicked and I had a lot more energy and um i just started to feel really mentally clear about about everything and um you know from that point on i started regaining healthy weight and you know slowly incorporating more foods into my diet um so i guess i guess what what i followed in the book selfie and clients and crohn's um the diet in there is called the vegan healing diet i guess what that could be seen as is a type of elimination diet in the same vein as you know, some people say that FODMAP works for them or SCD diet works for them or mm-hmm. paleo or carnivore, you know, whatever people are trying out works for them. So I guess it could be seen as, as a sort of elimination diet. And, um, you know, from start of December 2017 onwards, I was slowly incorporating more whole plant foods into my diet and um, really just focusing on fresh, natural, unprocessed foods. I think that's one of the most important things for people with IBD is, um, you know, it, it can often feel like we're cornered into a, you know, a very restrictive set of foods. And a lot of those foods may be processed and may not actually be helpful long-term to our, to our gut health. Um, you know, things like the Ensure and the other sort of meal replacement drinks. I've been doing a lot of research on those lately and finding out that the main ingredients in those like maltodextrin, the, the cow's milk proteins, um, the oils in them, you know, these are all pro-inflammatory ingredients. And although they may help us in the very short term, which I found that they did because they eliminate solid food passing through the bowel, mm-hmm. often longer term, they cause a lot of issues. And I noticed that when I was on these drinks for extended periods of time, I'd have a lot of inflammation. I'd feel quite uneasy and heavy and I got extremely constipated having these sort of drinks. So yeah, I think shifting the focus from, from that sort of approach to having the fresh fruit smoothies, the real easy to digest foods um, that do contain fiber, but in an easy to digest way. I think that that's the key thing because a lot of people think when people think of whole plant foods, they think of salads, and beans and cruciferous veg, which are often very difficult to digest, especially in an inflamed bowel um, that, that us people with IBD have experienced 
before and mm-hmm. yeah i think it's about shifting the focus to easy to digest foods i mean certainly that's something i've started to do more and more as as my years have progressed is try to have uh more sort of blended foods that i can move towards if i really need to get vegetables in i'll try and do it in a sort of soup or a juice um i mm-hmm. tend to keep the pulp with it as well um so, yeah yeah uh, is it am i right i don't know whether so you plant-based um do you eat any animal products at all no i haven't eaten any animal products for uh, for a few years now and i'm i feel i feel the best i've ever felt so uh-huh. yeah, I'm, I'm happy to to keep going totally oh my god that is amazing um and from when you started in um at the age of 23 was that 2016 if just remind me yeah it, yeah um, i mean 2017 is when i really got into or down on it um and you haven't had to take any medication since then or have you had, has there been periods where you've maybe had slight dependency on medication or have you been able to swim in medical or med free i haven't taken any ibd meds any pain meds nothing nothing at all i took one pill um once because I accidentally ate some, I think it was sesame seeds or something, because I'm allergic to certain seeds and nuts. Um, so yeah, that's that's the only thing I've had since then. It was sort of a, an emergency thing I had to do. But yeah, nothing for IBD and no sort of digestive discomfort or disease or symptoms at all. And you mentioned um, the sort of dairy-based based drinks. What was sort of happening with you when you were taking them? Yeah, so I, I had Modulin, uh, which is the Nestle, the powdered one. I'm, I'm not sure. How many of them have you had yourself? Um, I've only had one, um, and that was, they were both after sort of sur- it was after surgeries. So it was like, it was like a protein-based um, one for helping me to recover. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah, remember the name I, of it now. Yeah, I know that. Um, modulin and 40 sip are the most popular ones That's in the, the UK. 40 sip, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think in the US they also have Ensure. That's another one as well. Um, they're all they're all similar similar sort of compositions to them. Um, so yeah, they they these are drinks that aim to cover all of the macro and micronutrient needs. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they 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 do that, but it's like in what sort of form do they do that and with what consequences, you know, based on the ingredients that they're made up of. And, um, you know, the ingredients like maltodextrin and refined vegetable oils and the, the milk protein, all of these ingredients, you know, I've, I've trawled through the medical articles and um, journals, you know, on these things. And these are all pro-inflammatory ingredients. And it was pretty shocking to, to see um, you know, I did this research a couple of months ago. I'm looking yeah, to no, that, that's it. something that I definitely wasn't aware of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, things like maltodextrin they're in, and I've recently, you know, stopped having these, um, when I've been, you know, bicycle racing and stuff, they, they're in a lot of the energy gels and yeah, sort of performance yeah. sort of sugar based things. So yeah, you know, I've stopped having those and replaced it with, you know, eating some dates or drinking some orange juice or something like that. Um, and found that very helpful because yeah i didn't realize how widespread these sort of ingredients are and you know yeah i mean i i definitely noticed that i significantly cut back um so i think i think so it was 
probably was around 2009-2010 um, I would have been cycling quite a lot and I would have taken like I would have taken quite a lot of gels and it didn't really affect me that much but then when I turned 30 that's when everything sort of went wrong I had to get my bowel removed and I just noticed like without having a bowel and being on a J-pouch or a stoma at certain points it was really different my reaction to certain foods mm. and one was of those things more, I didn't notice, more immediate yeah and I noticed that um, you talk, people talk about getting gastrointestinal distress when they have gels or too many gels and things like that. And I was noticing that, like, if I would have, I'd have one gel, might be all right. And then, but if I had two, then I'd be like, output would be almost instantaneous. Um, so I started switching to whole foods and just things like bananas or jam sandwiches. And I'm not, I'm not saying those are the healthiest options or choices, but it is fine, like having a little bit more sort of real food. Probably question the jam being real food. But uh, yeah, just moving away from all of that highly processed stuff. And I really, yeah, I do agree. Like there's so much processed foods. And again, it's convenient, but there's so much just junk in our diets now that's so easy to have. Yeah, yeah. The, the stats are really quite shocking. Uh, I read something recently that over 50% of our diets in the UK are from ultra processed foods. Like these are foods that have been so damaged and removed from their original form that, you know, we can barely recognize them. And of course, we're going to have inflammation as a result of uh, taking these in these kinds of foods that we're not designed to. Um, so, yeah, I think really the, the whole processed foods thing is is a big deal in, in IBD, especially. I mean, I, I don't I don't think I've gone anywhere near to the extremes as as what you've gone. Um, but I do try my best now to eat um, pretty much as close to source as I can get it. So like things like I haven't cut out dairy or meats, um, but basically I'll have butter instead of margarine and things like that. But, and it was really interesting when we were doing nutrition elements on my degree, the, um, the process of how we cook foods and how different temperatures and different ways in cooking gives and again, it just affects the bonds within the actual molecular structure of food. So if you look at a fat, if you cook certain fats at a certain each, every single fat and every, every single bond has a different heat point. And if you reach those heat points, then you scramble the bonds. So then it becomes an unrecognizable source for your body to digest. And that blew my mind to think that, you know, when you're doing a minute steak, for example, which is meant to be done in an extremely high heat pan, everything that you were in there, although you could get the best cut of meat, be using the best ingredients to heat the pan and oil the pan. And every single thing in that has changed its molecular structure to a, a composition that your body isn't going to recognize it. It's crazy. Yeah. When you start delving into it, it's like, yeah. Yeah. it is literally crazy. Yeah. I mean, like there's like, as, as with anything to do with health, there's, there's always a sliding scale. There's always good, better, best. And, you know, there are, there are the best ways to cook our food like for example you know take a potato the best way to cook it to preserve the nutrition and to cook it in the most gentle way is by steaming because it exposes it to the to the less to the least um, vigorous heat and then like boiling is is the next best way and then baking and then you know deep frying is 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 the the least desirable option for health and it's, you know, it's all because of the, the sort of damage that happens along the way. So, yeah, I think that's it's something that isn't really talked about too much. So I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, what I would 
would you be able to name drop the the book that you found that led you just on this journey to start with yeah it's it's called self-healing colitis and crohn's and it's by a guy who now lives in hawaii called uh, dr david klein and he he had severe like his i'll just tell you a little bit brief about his story um he had severe uc when he was growing up um in his late teens for about eight years you know from 18 to 26 and um he got to the point where his docs were like you know these these and they at that point in time they wanted him to go on to these new experimental immune suppressing medications they were just sort of being started to to be brought out in that time and um he you know he was in such a poor state of health at the time that he was just thinking you know i don't want to go further down this path mm-hmm. and he came across um he came across some some more natural health teachers and they they taught him about the the sort of basic principles of like recovering health naturally and you know what what other people have done and what has been done historically before the the modern medical system and yeah he just immersed himself in that there were you know through time there have always been natural health teachers some of them teach bullshit and some of them make sense like some stuff works and some stuff doesn't um so yeah he he was lucky to come across some some good solid information and he put that into practice and recovered his health 35 years ago and he's been in incredible health since then he hasn't had a single um you know digestive upset or um uc flare-up and he's been helping people to recover their health through his book self-healing colitis and crohn's where he's put down everything that he's learned along the way and um yeah he's been he's been a big inspiration in in my healing journey and what has your sort of journey to date taught you so far like about yourself about life in general because you, you know you're how old are you now 28 is it 26 26 so you know you've come a long way like 10 years of having Crohn's disease uh, essentially at your way into remission and no longer requiring to date any form of medication. What, what has this journey taught you about yourself? Yeah, I, I think it's taught me that I'm a lot stronger than, than I thought I was. Cause I mean, up until the, up until age 16, I wasn't really tested in life. Um, I guess we're cocooned by society, our parents, the sort of system that we grew up in and we, we don't really face any, any sort of severe challenges, at least not most of us growing up in the West where we have all these um, privileges and, you know, we have a very comfortable life. We're not really presented with a lot of serious challenges. And I think often the first serious challenge that people are presented with is normally a health crisis, a sort of chronic disease diagnosis. And, you know, it's something that really, um, sort of i guess makes or breaks people like people can choose to to take it two ways can't they they can choose to have the victim mentality or they can choose to use it as a catalyst to improve themselves and improve their lives no totally and i think you've you've hit the nail on the head i think uh, in our world today there is not really that many things that actually put us to the test or put you to the sword for one of a better word um 
And it is, it's, it's amazing how many people's first hurdle is a significant health issue or, mm. or, or a cancer for uh, want of a better word. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really funny that you should mention that, particularly in today's um, worldwide pandemic with coronavirus. Mm. Uh, you know, this is, this is the most that a lot of people have been stressed. And I'm not saying that those people aren't stressed and they don't have a right to be stressed. But it is interesting that despite having running water, a roof and four walls with which to shelter ourselves from the elements that we find it so difficult. Sometimes in comparison, when you compare it to say, for example, somebody in another country that has literally got nothing. Um, coming back to the nutrition side of things, I was just wondering what sort of, is there any sort of red grouped foods or green grouped foods that the, um, the book suggests or that you have found um, outside of, outside of sort of dairy based products? Yeah. Um, I mean, I went, I went vegetarian overnight and I did find that that helped me. Um, and then it took me a few months after that to, to, cut, to cut out the dairy because I was fairly addicted to cheese. Um, I, you know, I'd have it quite liberally on, on everything. Uh, so that, take, that took a few months to cut out. But I did notice that cutting out meat had beneficial effects. Um, and since then, there's been World Health Organization has come out with that processed meat is carcinogenic and red meat is highly likely to be carcinogenic. Um, so yeah, I mean, I've, I've taken that into account as well. And I think really processed foods, uh, you know, other than dairy and meat that I've noticed have helped me, I think really cutting out processed foods has helped so much. Um, and then I guess beyond that, I think the sort of the way that we cook our foods and the way that we season our foods now are not always the most conducive to health. Like I know that a lot of people like to spice their foods quite heavily. Um, so like, for example, now I, I use a small amount of chili, but I don't, I don't make things like that most people would call spicy. And also, you know, when people add salt and oil to their foods, I think that that can also be quite irritating as well. So I, I try for the most part to stay away from oils and um, salt added to my food yeah no that's, that's really interesting again and i know you said vegetarian and plant-based do you eat anything like fish or anything like that or um no i don't i nope. don't eat i don't eat any fish um yeah i don't i don't really have a, a desire to right now um i'm quite happy with with my diet and how I feel and how my blood tests have, have shown my health to be. So and what's been the most noticeable thing with the blood test? Are they normalized or are they still certain markers up or? Yeah. Yeah. Com completely normalized. Everything. Um, last time I had my blood tests was, was in the normal range. And that was in, that was in February, 2019 when that was the final time that I went to see my gastroenterologist and, um, yeah, he went through, that was the point where he went through the, the MRI scans with me and showed me the differences between 
the scan that I had done in 2014 and the scan I had done at the end of 2018. And he showed me the differences um, in that my cell wall thickening had completely disappeared. The, the inflammation that was present in large lengths of my small, small bowel had disappeared. And um, my, um, there were like brown streaks in, in between my intestines, which he said was a sign of a sort of um, like backed up lymphatic system. Like they, they call it dirty fat sometimes um, in that sort of area. And yeah, that, that had all gone as well. So yeah, really happy with, with how things have gone. And um, the way that I left it with him, I was like, you know, if, if, if everything's okay, then, you know, I'm, I'm happy to, to go. So yeah. I've been discharged from hospital. Yeah, that's that's amazing. That is that is like unheard of. So, how did your journey start becoming a, a sort of gut health coach? What what took you down that avenue? Yeah, I think I think yeah, that's a good question. I think when when I went through this journey and really, you know, did it for myself and felt the differences, I was so blown away, and like based on the previous seven years of being told certain things by certain people, I couldn't quite believe what, what, what I'd achieved. Um, you know, I was kind of gobsmacked, um, at what sort of transformation had taken place inside my body. And, you know, I really wanted to share it with the, with the rest of the world. And, um, you know, may, maybe people don't have to do exactly what I've done, but, even to just empower people that they can do little things, you know, building little healthy habits that they can maintain and that they can use to improve their health. And I think really empowering people is, is my main aim in life now, um, especially those with IBD who can often feel quite helpless, I think. In yeah, their, in I mean, it's such a, a life-changing sort of, or it can be such a life-changing disease and can be very far-reaching. Like people don't understand sometimes they think how far-reaching having irritable bowel disease can be in terms of how much it can impact just your life. Because it not just um, it's not just eating, just leads into fatigue and just general social interaction as well. It can be such a, so far-reaching, it's not even, yeah. Um, so with your gut health coaching and, um, I noticed on your Instagram that you've got so much good looking food on there. Uh, what sort of things would you say are the first things that you would try and get people to do? So if you were to have a client, what, or for people listening, what would be the first things that you would suggest if they wanted to improve their health nutrition to do and start doing that would be simple that they could do now for argument's sake. Yeah, that's a good question. I think it's really sim It's really easy to take it one step at a time. Like, don't overwhelm yourself because it can be overwhelming trying to make changes because um, we're all so busy. We're doing so much and trying to think about other things. Um, if we make it too overwhelming, it can fall by the wayside, and you know we just give up on it. So. I think making it easy and making like setting milestones along the way, kind of, kind of like what I did. Um, I didn't dive into it straight away. I spent some time sort of transitioning and, um, but I think, I think a really good thing for people to do is to eat fruit for breakfast. It can be a really great way to start the day. And the, the great thing with fruit is that 
it's really high in water content and um you know i think especially fruits like bananas dates melons mangoes papayas grapes um you know peel them if you if you're sensitive to the to the skins um they're all really great foods to to really digest easily and sort of soothe the bowel like when i when i eat a banana smoothie i can you know i, I can barely feel it going down it feels very soothing um and that's that's the reason why you know i love having fruit for breakfast I have a you know a wide variety of fruit now um, i wouldn't recommend people with irritated bowels having acid fruits because they can be a little bit irritating but all fruits what sort with, of fruits would you suggest are quite high acidic and then versus and then what sort of foods would you suggest are quite alkaline well um fruits are split up into three different categories really there's acid subacid, and sweet and then melons are sort of by themselves but acidic fruits are things like oranges grapefruits lemons limes um, the, real, the real bitter ones so to speak yeah yeah the ones that make you go a bit like oh when, when you eat them sometimes and then you've got subacidic fruits subacid fruits which um are sort of normally okay for most people but you you may need to steer more into the sweet fruits if you if you're quite inflamed the sweet fruits are things like bananas dates melons um and then you've got other exotic fruits like papayas um sapodilla other other fruits like that but yeah, I think really bananas and dates are the ones that are accessible for most people mm-hmm. and can, can be really helpful. Like one of, uh, one, one of my favorite recipes is um, I have dates and, and frozen berries and I whiz those up in the blender. I normally let them defrost a little bit first. I whiz those up in the blender. Um, my blender is quite strong, so it obliterates the, um, the seeds in the in the berries and yes yeah, so i have that as sort of date and berry sauce and then i pour that over chopped bananas and it's it's so tasty really really satisfying and tasty that's an impressive blender that manages to chop up the seeds as well um so what's it's been a popular thing in the press like obviously nutrition at the minute can be quite a hot topic so to speak um with sort of um hardline veganism and people that are pro-fat diets other people that are animal only sort of caveman style i don't i wouldn't really call it caveman but there are such extreme opinions let's just say currently with any nutritional world i dare to say that a lot of the people that have really strong opinions probably don't have the educational background with which to back it up but Currently in the press, there has been a lot of talk about sugars. And obviously fruit is high in fructose, which is a natural sugar, which ordinarily isn't too bad as long as it's a sort of, I would, I would argue, in moderate quantities. But is there any concerns for you within your diet or what? how do you feel about the current stance on things like sugar and, and that targeting of fruit, so to speak, in a way? Yeah. Yeah, sugars, sugar's a really interesting one because I think when people think of sugar, they think of things like donuts or cakes, you know, typical sort of sugary foods, biscuits, chocolate, you know, things like that, that, that people associate that are sweet. But often these sweet foods, you know, they have a lot of fat in with them, in with them as well. 
and often refined fats and they can cause that problems in and of themselves. And, um, but the difference is with refined sugar and, you know, refined sugar has been proven to be pro-inflammatory, the same as maltodextrin and any other sort of sugars that have been pulled out of fruits and refined and processed. Um, but fruit is a lot different because fruit is a whole food. I think that's, that's really important to distinction to make like fruit is a whole food, just the same as, you know, a vegetable is a whole food or potato is a whole food or, you know, some cooked quinoa is a whole food or, you know, nuts and seeds are whole foods. It's a really important distinction to make because we have evolved to eat whole foods. We've evolved to eat whole natural foods and the benefit of fruit is that it has contained within it water it has fiber within it and the fiber dampens the the ability for our body to uptake the sugar so if we drank like fruit juice if we drank um you know a, a big load of fruit juice our blood sugar would spike because there's no fiber in there to dampen the the uptake of sugar into our bloodstream but with fiber, with water, with all of the antioxidants, phytonutrients, phytochemicals within that fruit as a whole food, you know, it's, it's extremely healthy. And there are a lot of studies to, to back that up that, you know, eating fruit, you know, a healthy person eating fruit, it doesn't cause, doesn't cause diabetes. It doesn't cause any sort of ill health problems. And I've felt that for myself and seen it in so many other people. What would your take be on something like the juicing diet? So like there's all these fad sort of diets um, that people tend to do around about January, February time. Um, uh, one of the most current popular ones is a juicing diet, so to speak. Um, what would be your, do you have any cautionary words about that? Um, I, think, I think juicing can be great as part of, a, as part of your diet. Like, you know, having, having a green juice or something like that as a sort of mineral and vitamin booster. Um, Cause that's, that's how I treated it during, during healing. Like, you know, I, I juice every now and then right now at, at my current health. Um, I don't feel the need to, to juice every day like I used to, but I don't think there's, there's a need to take extended weeks and months of only juice or, only water or only eating one food um, that, that I know some people do out there because I think there can be quite dangerous con consequences when we completely shut down our digestive system. Um, I think it, it's important to, to maintain like a healthy amount of calories and a healthy amount of food. But I think to just be like the, the, the thing that I was doing was just being mindful of, what foods I was putting in me while I was healing. Like I wanted it to be real easy digesting foods. Yeah, no, I totally, that makes sense. I think one of the things from, from my perspective with the juicing is that I would urge people to try and retain the pulp. I know there's some juicers out there that remove all the pulp and I get it. And you know, a lot of people don't like having pulp in their juice, but uh, it goes back to what you were saying about the fibrous element. Uh, keeping that fiber in there is extremely important and like you said if you have just pure fruit juice you will still get a sugar spike similar yeah. to what you would get from having a squash or a can of coke not to the same extremes but in a similar sort of fashion um yeah. 
I mean, I think I think one point distinction to make is that my my aim through healing was was never to have solely fruit juice. Like I would have fruit to to sweeten, you know, like half an apple or something to sweeten a celery juice or to sweeten a, a cucumber juice. It would never be, it would never form a large part of what I was doing. And in the end, I was juicing just greens, so there was, you know, there would be hardly any sugar spike whatsoever with that. So for the people watching and potentially people who are newly diagnosed, what would your advice be to people going through that that have either just been diagnosed or about to potentially be diagnosed and going through the process of that? What would your advice be? Yeah, I think, I mean, definitely respect the diagnosis and, um, but also at the same time realize that a diagnosis is not, it's not a life sentence. It's not going to define you or decide the rest of your life for you. It's a diagnosis is just a collection of symptoms that's been given a name by a doctor. And that's, that's all it really is. So I think like, you know, take, take note of it. Um, but really try and look at people who are getting the results that you want to get and see what they're doing. You know, don't, don't just trust one person, you know, go out there and see what, see what loads of different people are doing and, you know, see what the science says, delve into that if you, if you want to. And I think just empower yourself that, that you can do things today that will build a better help, build a better future for you tomorrow. No, totally. Um, I think that's great advice for everyone to sort of, to follow as well. Um, so what sort of inspires you to keep, keep going and, you know, when days are difficult, what, what is your inspiration? How do you keep pushing forwards and maintain all the things that you're doing? Yeah. I mean, I don't really have difficult or painful days really anymore. And, um, I think, I think that the key part of that is really putting in, putting healthy habits into place. I think a lot of people think that to be healthy, they have to be really motivated and they have to keep up that motivation every single day of their life where, in fact, um, you know, a lot of behavior change in humans has been shown and a lot of our, our behaviors day to day, what we do day to day is subconscious behavior and it's built through habits that we formed over time. Um, often habits that have been formed in our childhood as we've been growing up and really the, the key to, to looking after yourself and not having those difficult days is to start putting things in motion start building healthy habits, just, just do, do them bit by bit. And then over time, they'll start to accumulate and snowball and you know, you'll be in a, in a much better state of health. But I think really for people who are pushing through flare-ups and things like that, um, it's really at that point in time, it's a lot of it is about the mindset. Like, and it's, it's something that's really hard, isn't it? Because when you're in a flare, like we, we both know this, it's really tough and it takes a lot out of you and it, it takes a lot of mental strength to sort of see the positives in, in what we're doing and sort of see a way through it. So I think that's, that's a really important thing. And um, I'd, re I'd recommend resources like The Power of Now is an amazing book. Um, the Secret is another great book by Rhonda Byrne, Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And 
people can look at videos online um, by Louise Hay. I think, I think I'm getting her name right. Louise yeah. Hay. She's, she's really, um, she's really amazing. And she, she helped me a lot through my healing. It amazes me, but uh, you've just mentioned exactly those three things because those three things since Christmas are exactly what my wife has just started getting stuck into. Oh, that's great. And uh, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, and she's just sort of mentioned Eckhart Tolle to me um, a few times and kind of like dropped on. He's got um, a, his own podcast and sort of YouTube stuff going on as well. I just find the reading of the book, I find all right, sort of like, I can because it's but whenever I'm listening, quite an, he's uh, an acquired taste, I think. Yeah. Trying to listen to because uh, he's just so calm. But yeah. I think that's the only thing I can put my finger on um, to say is that he's just so calm. It almost, yeah, just nothing seems to lift him. <laughs> You're kind of going, there's where, come on, let's get, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, that there, there are some really um, amazing books, and one of the things that uh, Louise does is affirmations. Yeah. And I think that's, that can be a very positive cycle. And I've noticed a big difference myself this year in doing them with my wife. And I'm not saying that you blindly throw out everything that's happening in the world and, you know, ignore like one of the things that my wife and her sister would say is like health and abundance um, is, is coming away and the world's got this plan and it talks about money I don't, it's not saying that you can continue to rack up credit card debt and you're going to get a world of wealth. Yeah. It's just telling you to change your mindset as to what you're doing and what's happening in the uncontrollable aspects of the world. But yeah, it's just like, I think, yeah, I couldn't believe when you were, when you were just rhyming them off. I was like, oh my God, that's literally the last three months of, of my life. Um, so we've talked a lot about how you're managing your chronic disease and how you've changed virtually everything in your life um, and found a way to, to manage Crohn's without the need for medication. Um, so what's, what's your thoughts and what's your goals for the future? Um, I think, yeah, that's a good question. I think it's really about self-healing empowerment. I think it's about understanding that our bodies can heal themselves by themselves, given half a chance. And that's something that I want to put out there and encourage people to, to do their own research and see what, see what people are doing out there and um, try and empower themselves that they can do something about the, about their health. Um, like I spent so many years suffering unnecessarily and I really wouldn't wish that on anyone else. Like it's a, it's a horrible thing to go through. And I like, I want to try and help people to reduce that as much as possible in their lives. Um, and I think, I think as well to recognize that society today is not set up for good mental health. I think it's something that not a lot of people talk about, but society as it's run today is not set up to, to really, um, so we can be our best selves mentally because we're constantly being bombarded with adverts. And I think it, you know, it affects boys just as much as it affects girls. We're bombarded with adverts to say that we're not good enough and we need this or that, you know, we're always 
told that we're in a state of lack and that we we need more material possessions we need a bigger house we need a you know a sexier wife or you know what whatever whatever we're always told that we're not enough and you know i want to let people know that you are enough just as you are right now and you don't need anything else and when you're when you're tuning into a certain um, source of information whether that be the tv the radio the internet the newspaper a friend a family member like think about how is that making me feel do i feel better or worse as a result of this interaction and be discerning about what you surround yourself with because there are a lot of um, people out there there are a lot of streams of information out there that put us in a fear state and we don't want to be in a fear state because that negatively impacts our health we want to be focusing on the positives we want to be focusing on health and you know we want to create the best lives for ourselves, and that's gonna mean being healthy and happy and surrounding ourselves with resources with people with information that's conducive to that state of being because I'm, I'm sure that that's all the reality that we want to create for ourselves but we just have to be discerning about you know we're, we're blessed with the modern world we can surround ourselves with whatever we want but we have to be mindful of that some streams of information are not conducive to good mental health and we have to you know try and shut those out as much as possible and bring in the ones that are so that's where you know the helpful books the helpful videos the helpful resources online and in books and the TV and wherever you get them from is, is going to be helpful for us. Yeah, totally. I mean, is that one of the reasons that you enjoy traveling so much? Um, yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. I've, I've never really thought about it. It's just sort of a curiosity that I had and a desire that I had. So, I, you know, I had to make it happen. Um, but yeah, it's, it's great to see people of all different walks of life and, for me, I love spending time in Thailand because everyone is so happy there and it just, it just, it just lifts your spirit and it makes you smile. And, you know, all of the people there who have not a lot of money and, but yet they're so happy with the, the basic necessities of life. They have each other, they have their families and they, they know what's important to them and they're, they're really happy with their lives. And, you know, it, it makes me happy by being surrounded by people like that. Totally. Uh, you know, that's, that's amazing. Uh, they, um, the mental health side of things that you mentioned, I was actually going to, but that was actually my next question anyway. And I think it's so true. There is so much out there currently that it does sort of make you devalue yourself. And yeah, it's a very, we do live in a very materialistic world. I think that's something that I've started to pay more attention to based on the stuff that we've been doing the last few months. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really positive. And I liked your, your information there on what people should maybe think about, particularly when they're struggling with certain things, because it is difficult for people to front up on a mental health side of things, I think. And whenever you start adding in IBD, you've already got a reason to feel different. And that can just be a massive psychosocial hand grenade waiting to go off. So I think uh, Chris might agree with me here. If you do find yourself struggling with those things, always find someone to talk to. And there always is someone there that will be ready to listen, be it families or friends, 
or if you're watching me now on YouTube or Instagram, um, reach out to me there. And I'm sure Chris would be more than happy to, to reach out and to himself as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, based on that, where can guys find you if they want to get in touch for things like uh, gut health coaching or just to reach out and, and follow you and take inspiration from your life? Yeah, so I'm, I'm on Instagram at getguthealthy and my website is getguthealthy.co and I've just started a YouTube channel as well, Get Gut Healthy on there as well. Um, so yeah, send, f- feel free to get in touch, send me a message and I'm more than happy to to discuss anything that you might be worried about. What made you do, uh, pick a .co? Well, I, I found the, the .com, but the people who held that domain wanted thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. So I went with CO. Fair one. I still, I still don't understand how there's so many different endings to stuff now. I'm just like, you know, you got .lon for London, .uk, .co.uk. Yeah. I'm just like, it blows my mind. Um, okay, so we've got to the part of the show where I basically robbed it from a guy called Lewis Howes who does a, a business podcast. He calls it the three truths where it's your last day on earth, many years from now. I'm not going to say death, but it's just your last day on earth. And all the content and all the things that you've ever created, never done, have disappeared. What three life lessons, aka three truths, would you want people or would you want to leave for people to learn from you? Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's tough. Trying to distill it down to three. Um, but I think, I think number one, the body is self-healing. Um, number two, there is at the moment a shift in the, in the medical paradigm where like I've, I've been involved in a, um, community project in Birmingham um, that's been involved been involving it's called the the functional that it's called the happy hub involving loads of different medical professionals including health coaches and it's it's amazing to see that different medical professionals are seeing that the current medical paradigm isn't working and they they want to do the best for their patients and coming together sharing information and really empowering each other that we can create a better future for our planet and for our health and for each other. Um, so yeah, be, be assured that things, things are changing. Like the world is becoming a better place day by day and draw, draw lots of positives from that. And the third one is our health is our greatest wealth because without it, we can't spend money. We can't do anything that we want in life. Like health is number one. So we have to really, respect that and um, focus on that. Yeah, mate, I think that's the fastest answer I've had. Uh, <laughs> so, so well done to you. No, I really like that. The body is self-healing, health is wealth, and the medical world is improving significantly. Um, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the real interesting things I work in rehabilitation is actually this, the movement away from medicalizing things. Um, okay. Obviously, to certain degrees, medicalization needs to happen. You know, yeah. You couldn't just leave someone struggling with IBD symptoms and not give them a diagnosis of IBD and then the, the help that can come from that. But there definitely is, I've noticed, a shift away from utilization of just drugs and just giving people tablets. Um, and it, I think there's a consciousness now that 
the modern healthcare system treats symptoms rather than causes. And yeah. Have you, have you heard of someone called Dr. Rangan Chatterjee? No, I've heard of Chitonga. I've not heard of Chatterjee. He's, he's had, a, he's had some, some programs on BBC, Doctor in the House, and he's one of, one of the people at the forefront of functional medicine, of you know, trying to help people with sort of simple, actionable lifestyle changes. He's got a load of best-selling books, um, and I've got all of them pretty much. Uh, there's one, The Four Pillar Plan. There's one called The Stress Solution. And I really recommend that people go and watch his TED Talk on YouTube called How to Make Diseases Disappear, because he's got some incredible stories in there about patients who have come in who, you know, what, what a lot of doctors called the conveyor belt system, where someone comes in, they talk about their symptoms, they go away with a prescription, whereas he wants people to come in talk to them, talk to him about what they're going through and maybe he can offer one piece of advice to help them. So, you know, it can be tailored to them and, it, and he's had some really profound, amazing um, impact on people's lives through, you know, this sort of functional medicine approach, focusing on the person as a whole and not just as a collection of symptoms that need to be treated with a drug. So yeah, I think he's, he's amazing. And definitely check him out if you want a sort of uh, reliable mainstream resource to go to. Did you say it was Doctor in the House? Yeah, he was on Doctor in the House, and he's. I got think I his remember. Own. I think a member potentially from from that night when you started mentioning some of the stuff it has jogged my memory, and I think I don't. I never knew his name per se as as you did, but I think I've seen his stuff about the place. But yeah, and it's similar within within musculoskeletal. Um, you know, we talk about movement as medicines. Australia is one of the main areas that are driving a sort of movement away from looking at different issues and surgical approaches and, and medicating, particularly with things like arthritis. Um, looking at more management through movement and exercise and obviously the adaptation of a healthier lifestyle and an mm-hmm. attitude towards being active is going to reduce current symptoms and alleviate future symptoms and it's, it's the same with cro- across the board i think that's one of the things he talks about is introduction of activity and reduction of processed foods yeah um, for sure and it's just it's just it's, it is amazing how small the changes need to be um from watching his show and from my own interaction with patients um yeah it's just very very simple small actions can have such a huge effect uh, yeah. particularly as you transcend through life. I think one of the best tips I ever heard when it came to nutrition was when you're eating your food, name the ingredients. Yeah. And one of my mates, he was like, because we do this thing in the military now called DoFit, which is the, uh, it's like a, it's a nutrition and wellness based course. that looks at both physical activity and nutrition together as a, as a complete package and then wraps in a bit of sort of mental health and coaching into it as well which is it's, it's a really good approach and it's unique um because the military is not very good at thinking about things like that so it's it's quite a uniqueism within the military that we've gone that far but essentially he talks about naming the ingredients and the example he goes like how many ingredients are in a carrot yeah and it's yeah, like well, it's, a, it's a carrot how many <laughs> ingredients are in a packet of crisps and it's ten thousand like, probably these days yeah so it's, <laughs> it's just such a, such, such a simple thing to do and then, you know, 
once you start thinking about those little things, then you start thinking, well, do, do I want to eat that? And whenever you actually look at that packet to see how many ingredients are in it and you can't pronounce some of the words, you then start going, should, should, if I can't pronounce the word, should I really be eating it? I just, yeah, it's just, it just, I was like, that's really simple and really actually quite effective. If, if someone is willing to sort of take it up and take on that challenge, it can be a really quick way to start just making healthier choices. I mean, what's, what's your number one sort of quick fix for somebody? Well, I think, I think what, what it's based on what you said just then about lifestyle. It's that there is, there is no one magic bullet. There's no quick, quick fix. It's about everything coming together. Like health is holistic in nature. It's about what we eat. It's about how we sleep. It's about how much stress we're under. It's about how hydrated we are. It's about how our relationships are, uh, physical activity, um, you know, our purpose in life, even uh, the joy that we experience every day. It's really everything coming together. And, um, you know, that's something that I want to make people aware of is that there, there are no quick fixes. Um, it's health is the result of everything coming together and um, adding up. Yeah, I think um, I might be wrong, but I think it's an Eckhart Tolleism where he's talking about servitude. What up? My wife just walked in. Are you going to give me a nod if that's right? Servitude, Eckhart Tolle. To be of service, to be, of, to be part of something that is bigger than yourself. Which, which brings us back to that sort of the modern day uh, materialistic sort of avenue that thrusts you down that you're not enough. And I think we kind of end up in that cycle of selfishness and trying to serve yourself and forget that actually we're, we're a social being and we're part of a bigger society. And to contribute to that can sometimes be of massive help to, to your mental health and your mental wealth. Yeah. In yeah, my opinion. I 100% agree. agree. Yeah, it's massive. But um, I'm just going to bring the live stream to an end. So anybody who's watching on Facebook and YouTube, we're about to end the show. Uh, thank you so much for joining in. And um, we'll be publishing this up in a few weeks' time onto the YouTube channel and uh, across all the other sort of mediums on, in podcast and video form. So we'll catch you on the next one, guys. I need to bring that up. Boom. I, have no, I need to get a second monitor. <laughs> Every time I've like popped that up, it's been like, Obviously, the whole screen across YouTube and Facebook has just gone weird with all of the OBS stuff. But yeah, um, yeah, that's, it's it's so true. Like, so many of the things that you talked about just touch home with myself as well. So it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh, come on. I know we've been talking a while about it, but it's yeah, been great. And yeah. thank you so much for as well for um, going live. Um, I'd just like to take a second just to acknowledge what you're doing and say that I, I'm really grateful for what you're doing across social media and just from chatting to yourself, obviously I feel I've got to know you a little bit more and yeah, it's, it's such a nice time to be around someone so positive and just putting that positivity out into the universe has through just even this show has been great to, to see and to watch and to be part of. So thank you very much. No, it's been, it's been great. Thank you so much for having me on your show and, 
know, what, what you're doing, bringing the community together is, is amazing. You know, it's sharing experiences and raising awareness. And, um, you know, it's, it's only through mediums like this that we can really share our stories and our information and hopefully, you know, inspire other people to, to um, do the same.